Good morning. It's good to see everybody here this morning. We're glad that you're here, and we hope you got a bulletin to follow along with, and uh, hopefully through the service. We also need you to have your hymn book out because we'll be doing some readings and confessions together in the hymn book this morning. So make sure you have a hymn book nearby as you're coming in. Uh, let me begin this morning by saying welcome. Uh, if you haven't filled out a visitor card or you haven't given us a record of your visit, we'd love to have that. We know during the summertime that uh, many of you are traveling and have family and friends and things in, and so we, we, we're excited for you, but we also like to have a record of your visit so that we could keep up with you and minister to you any way that we can. Um, we do have some announcements. You'll see those if you'll open up your bulletin. You'll see some announcements that are there on the back. Let me just remind the ladies today at 1230 um, that your fellowship time will be downstairs in the fellowship hall. So uh, I know they've done it in different places at times, but t today at 1230. So women, if you did not come planned, you're still invited. If you had forgotten about it, we're reminding you uh, that it'll be a wonderful time of fellowship, and it's at 1230. So, but it will be downstairs in the fellowship hall as well. Um, and then I'll let you keep up with all the other uh, announcements that are here. Um, we'll share some of our prayer requests a little bit later in the service. But uh, it's always exciting. Uh, I know our, our interns, it's always good with Zach and Sarah and the activity that they're doing. If you haven't had a chance to, to meet them and encourage them yet, uh, we appreciate you doing that. It's been a blessing to have them here, teaching in our Sunday school class for the youth, leading our Sunday night programs, activities during the week, uh, small group times and fellowship times. And so they've really stepped up and, and just had a real blessing this summer. So we appreciate them so much as well. But let me begin this morning by reading from Deuteronomy 27 before I open in prayer for a moment of meditation as we meet together. Before they crossed the river Jordan back in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses and them were speaking to the people and they said this, Moses and the priests all spoke to the people with all the requirements they had given them and said, just be silent and listen. This day you have become the people of God. Now you shall obey the Lord your God, do all of his commandments and his statutes, which you have now heard him today. Let's take a moment, and I'll give you a moment of silence before I pray to just simply say, thank you, Lord, for making me your child. Help me to obey you as we move forward. Let's pray. Father, we would not be here if it weren't for your Holy Spirit convicting us. We would not be here if your son had not fulfilled in obedience the mission of the cross and to ascend together with you. And Father, we would not be here if you had not chosen us before the foundations of the world to be your people. Lord, we rejoice in the fact that we are your children and we're your children because you want us. This morning, Father, above all things, as we've come to gather and to worship and to share, help us to realize just the blessing of being, not of all that we will accomplish, not all that we've already done, but just in being and knowing that we belong to you. Help us this morning, Lord, to worship you, to come before uh, all the issues that are going on in society, to step ahead of all the problems that we've had to overcome. Lord, help us to just worship this morning. Help us to come together to build relationships 
to work together and to bring you glory. Father, let worship this morning be an answer to all that you have done for us. For Lord, we know that your son came, he lived for us, he exchanged places with us, and he has provided for us a way to come, to be in your presence, to boldly come to the throne of grace, where we're allowed to pray together, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, if you're able to stand with me as I call us to worship, I'm going to read this morning from Revelation chapter 19. If I can, let me read this to you as we come to gather together. Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, small and great. For hallelujah, we give him praise, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Amen. You may be seated and take that hymn book and turn to page 804. That's where we'll be this morning as we share together our confession of sin. I took it right out of Scripture. It's from Psalm 51, and so rather than in different translations, we can read it from here together. It's, if you remember David and his sin with Bathsheba, we all know David was a man after God's own heart, we're told, but we also realize that people who are so close to God at times can also commit some of the gravest sins at others. And yet we boldly come together, we're able to pray together, we're able to share with one another, knowing that we don't come to church because we have not sinned. We come because after we find forgiveness, he treats us as though we have not sinned. And so we get that blessing. And so here this morning for our congregational confession, page 804, Psalm 51, I'm going to read the light print, if you'll patiently Read together with me this prayer of David, this confession that we get in Scripture. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. 
Do not cast me from your presence. Take your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save your righteous blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. What amazing that right in Scripture we have a full confession that when things go wrong, there is a way to make them right. And when we come before him and pray, we always find the assurance in Scripture that not only are we able to come boldly to the throne of grace, knowing that he's there to forgive us, but we find the answer as well from 1 John 1, 9, if I can read the assurance of pardon, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This morning we learned the importance and the difference between healing and cleansing. I pray this morning that you not just find forgiveness, but that you find cleansing and the ability to move forward. So as we're able to do that there in your hymn book on page uh, 845, just a little bit back, is the Apostles' Creed. Is in the early church as they established their beliefs this is many times thought to have been used as a baptismal confession, an opportunity to confess what people believe. It was not an actual confession written by the church. Uh, that was the Nicene Creed. But for those who come to the blood of Jesus Christ and those who were cleansed and those who realized their forgiveness was in him alone, they were able to come together and confess what they actually believed in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, if we can, for our confession of faith, join me as we share together the Apostles' Creed. Let me ask you as a church, church, what is it that you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If I can, let me take a moment to pray for our congregation, and then I will pray for the offering, and then if the ushers would please come to take up the offering at the end. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, this morning we come not to just worship you because of who you are. We come to praise you because of what you've done for us. Father, not because we have earned it or deserve it. Father, not because we've been chosen special over others, but because you love us and you care for us. And Father, in the midst of our trials, our burdens, our concerns, our hurts, our grief, we find ourselves constantly turning to you to find relief. Yet, Lord, this morning I pray up front that, Lord, it be your will that be done in our lives, that we would realize whatever the circumstance, that we can trust your accomplishing what it is that your holy purpose needs to be in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we do lift up uh, the Alexander family. We continue to pray for Tom, uh, for, for Janice and Zach and, and Max. And Lord, just as they continue to, to work together and try to discover a path going forward, Father, only you are able to know what the future holds. Reveal to us and just give us the strength what we need for each day. Help us not look forward to the tomorrow. For we know not what the morrow brings, but let us rejoice in the day. Father, we continue to pray for Vera. We ask that you'll just help her uh, as she overcomes uh, her pain and her allergies and her, uh, just to find the comfort that she needs to sleep. Lord, we pray for Ken and Marilyn Deans, uh, for his relief and for all the therapy that they'll face. Father, for Dan, as he continues his healing and his relief, even this week as he goes to have some more procedures done, Lord, that we ask our heart's desire that he be made well, that he find that relief, that he find comfort. Uh, Lord, we lift him up. Lord, we, we pray for Phil and Karina as they continue to decide and discern your will in their life uh, for them and their children. Uh, Lord, that you would embolden them. Uh, to know the truth and to know what you're calling them. And Father, as I prayed many years ago, that you would give me the ability to leave behind the things of this world if necessary in order to follow you wherever you would have us to go. And so, Lord, I pray that for them. Work in their hearts and their minds. Give them an eager desire to want to go wherever it is. We continue to pray for the little fields, for recovery, for healing and strength as they work together. Lord, just the blessing they've been for uh, our church for years, their prayer support, their encouragement for us, their faithfulness to us. Let us be faithful back to them as we minister to them. We continue to pray for Bill and Kim as they overcome cancer and, and wrestle with uh, the follow-ups, the visits, uh, the treatments. Father, for, for Beth Bauer's mother, Sylvia, we just continue to pray for strength and healing uh, Lord, as we pray for the physical heart, you know the spiritual condition. We praise you, Lord, and just ask that you work there. We pray for Gene, all that he's needed so that he can serve faithfully. And Father, we pray for Paul, uh, that he's overcome last week's surgery and found great relief. But this week, as he faces a major surgery uh, as well, that Lord, you would be with him and Lisa and their family. Lord, we surrender this treatment as all of them over to you, the great physician. For we know that nothing will be accomplished that's not according to your will. And Father, again, we're humbled that as we come to ask all these things, you would still entrust to us your kingdom here on earth, that you would put us in charge, 
that you would ordain us to positions to bring forth purity and peace, and that you would bless us with the ability to help others, to share the gospel, and to build the church. Lord, I pray that you'll take our offering and bless it. Lord, bless those who have so faithfully given all the years. It's not the amount, Lord, we know. For whether it's the widow's might or the mansions that are prepared, it's the fact that it comes from a heart that wants to give and be faithful. To give back to you, Lord, just a portion of what you've blessed us with. Lord, we surrender it, further your kingdom in your way, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would our ushers please come forward to take up the offering? Thank you again for the music team in helping lead us and prepare our hearts uh, to respond to a message. Um, I think back to the days, as many of you know, uh, traditions are all different. And if you come from a Baptistic background, I'll call it that, an evangelistic background, you are used to responding to messages. Uh, we used to call them years ago altar calls, and so I'm not preparing you to have one this morning, but I'm just saying it's amazing how as Mark 
teaches us what Jesus is doing, that they're never preaching the message without expecting a response. It would be like saying we come to church without expecting to be fed, or we come to fellowship without expecting to be able to share. And when we hear the message, we should be expected to be changed, to respond, to know that we've been challenged with the truth. And Mark does that here this morning in the last story of chapter 1. He's crammed all of this in. I know last week I challenged many of you to realize all that Mark had done in just one day puts together the end of a story now that begins to unleash some more of the stories throughout Mark. And they do go a little bit faster. The stories are a little bit longer. There are a little more details in them. But within just the first chapter of Mark, we don't have someone who's giving us all the details that the others did. Just how far along were they outside Capernaum? Did they really come to the sea and the shores of Galilee, or were they moving on to the greater city? Those were the issues that Matthew and Luke deal with if you read these same stories. They're the ones that are giving you the geographical details and the textual analysis between them. Mark jumps right to Jesus. He tells us in this story that we get at the last part of the chapter one about the healing of the leper. And I'm going to use that word only to preface it that for many of us, we talk about it all the time as a healing. But in reality, it's not a healing. It's a what? It's a cleansing. To understand leprosy, I'll share with you this morning, would put you in a whole different category than other illnesses. I'm not sure what your category in life is that's so harsh right now. And I'm not sure what sin is such a stickler to you. We all have them. Some of us sometimes respond, and bear with me for a moment, maybe your stickler is in this sexual revolution that we are today, and that's the stickler for you. And if someone's going to be a part of that, then that's just the limits. I have no tolerance for that. Maybe it's lying. Maybe you're as simple as my grandfather was and how I've kind of put up with things is the tolerance of lying very difficult. Maybe it's the issues in society on drinking or drunkenness, I should say. Maybe we're going to be challenged with the new opening up of the use of drugs in multiple places and multiple ways now that we'll have to deal with. Someone asked me, are we going to allow smoking in the parking lot? Of the church. I don't think they were talking about cigarettes. The challenge that the church faces today when society makes changes, I remind you over and over again, Mark's going to show us that just because something is law doesn't make it right. We've got to make decisions to do the right thing. As parents, grandparents, we're going to be challenged to reach out and to touch the lives of those who we've never seen so different. Are you willing to do that? Or might you be infected? Might you catch something you don't want? 
In only my lifetime, I know our great oncologists who are dealing with all the cancers could probably tell you the story on how people see cancer today differently than when my father's brother died of leukemia. Just in my lifetime, the word cancer, if you had cancer, had a stigma with it. As if if someone had cancer, be careful because it could what? It could spread. It could jump out like the blob and get you. Today, we look at other people. Mark takes us right to the story. He simply says, man, look what Jesus did. He healed all these people, and the crowds were coming to him, and he took some time to get away and immediately got back together. And the first thing he does after raising up Peter's mother-in-law is come into confrontation with what was deemed one of the most critical, unhealthy, isolated people of biblical times. They weren't just bringing someone who couldn't walk, which we'll see. They weren't just bringing someone who was splattering out as a demon with loud voices. He was coming in contact with someone that everybody else has shunned. Here's how the story goes. It's Mark chapter 1, verse 40. There was a man with leprosy coming to Jesus, imploring him and kneeling down and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out with his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him. And he was cleansed. I want you to circle those words. He was cleansed. And he sternly warned him and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But rather he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter the city, but stayed out in an unpopulated areas, and there they were coming to him from everywhere. Keep in mind, Jesus was unable to enter the cities. I'll let you dwell for just a moment on Jesus' position so similar to that of the leper and just what Jesus does for us. When we begin to think about the story and the leper, there's got to be details I've got to tell you. It begins in Hebrews eleven six. Remember this. Write it down and keep it. It says this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For one must first come to God, believing that he already exists and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. That's from the great faith chapter in our New Testament of the book of Hebrews. We must come to God knowing that he exists and that he rewards those that diligently seek him. That automatically, for Mark, puts the leper in a category different from others because there must be something in the leper's life that brought him to Jesus knowing that he could be healed. We'll look at that because he was in a position that was so different. To look at one side of the story, let's look at it from the leper's circumstance. 
he does come to Jesus. He comes, if you wish, uh, to humble himself, to discern whether or not his life can truly be changed because he has already been sentenced. Do you remember when you used to have to put the letter on your chest? You ever read those books? To let everybody know you had what? Committed a grave sin. For if the whole community would know what it is that you've done, then everybody gets to treat you in that same way. And if everybody's treating you in the same way, who's the one that's going to reach out to help change the condition? Who's going to be the one to reach out to show the love, compassion, and forgiveness outside of blasphemy, the utter rejection of Jesus Christ? Can you think of any sin that's unforgivable? I'm no prophet. But I would bet 25 years from now, we're going to have pews full of people who've been surrendering to the Holy Spirit and His conviction, and they changed their lives. And whether they are still a he or a she or a both, they're going to have been changed, transformed, rearranged, but they finally have been cleansed, and they'll be sitting in the pews as saved, regenerated people, regardless of what they look like. And just how will the church handle that? All of a sudden, the leper comes. He's already been sentenced in his community. To have leprosy was unlike anything else. I can't tell you what the scriptures say because the word for leprosy here is an indication of, I think, one of 70-some different ailments a person could have. Everything what I would call from the skin flaking off in a sense of dandruff to all the way down to your skin literally peeling off and rolling off in sheets because it is dead. I'm not sure, the Bible doesn't tell us, but it's an obvious sign that when this man comes to Jesus, everybody else, did you hear what they did? You don't. Because I bet everybody around was wondering what? You know, if it was a lady with a child, they would have probably ran up and told her, look, let's not bother Jesus right now. If it was the woman caught in blood, you don't need to touch Jesus right now. If it's the one who's being carried on a pallet, listen, put him down. We'll get to him later. But when it comes to leprosy, I bet even the apostles probably said, look, you can handle this one. Pastor, you got this one. Because who wants to take that ultimate chance? Who wants to be the one that's going to be touching and involved in the one who everybody has treated as an outcast. It wasn't just the sentence in the community. It was the sentence of his name. To be truly caught in leprosy, to be deemed by the priest unclean, now changed who you were. It changed your occupation. It changed the relationship with your family. Folks, I don't know what it is today. It's probably not leprosy, but we all have them. What is it that your children have done what is it that you did to your parents that caused the sever in a relationship, that caused the outcast to take place, to cause the years of separation? What was it that was so wrong that it was able to break up the family of God, to tear apart at our joints 
that which held us together so close in the love of Christ. Here it was leprosy. So wrong and so fearful that it even separated people from fellowship. Most importantly, it kept people from worship. Go back and listen to the stories in Leviticus of chapters 13 and 14. I'll let you read them. Please don't do it now. Listen to the sermon. But you can read the history on all that takes place on how you would handle leprosy. Everything from the issues of keeping your distance. Let's just say six feet or more. Covering the lower half of your face. I think I know what this leprosy was. (laughs) I'm not going to say it. It's not new. But all of a sudden we realize that a person with leprosy's whole life has been changed. Did they even have an opportunity to be brought back? I want you to think for just a moment. What is it that has separated you so severely from those you love most because you've deemed it as an opportunity that they could never be brought back. They could never be made right. If you just knew how many people I gunned down in Vietnam, Pastor, you'd probably realize why I don't think God will forgive me. Pastor, if you really knew how many children I aborted in my younger days as I lived in the bars, I don't think you would wrestle with why I don't think God would forgive me. Pastor, if I ever find all my children, for they're out there and I know it, you'd understand why I don't think God will forgive me. Man, I've heard an array of things over the years. I'm not sure what it is that you've heard, but I'm sure that it's going to happen at some point in time. If it wasn't with your parents and it wasn't with you or your spouse, it'll be with your children when they finally say, I just didn't think you would forgive me. This leper comes running not to the disciples, not to the priest, not to the authorities. But he comes running to Jesus. Breaking every law possible in Leviticus. And runs up to kneel before the one that could heal him. All of us need cleansing. In just this one section, four different times in one little story, you don't find the healing at all. I'll transform it to what it's really called. In the Greek, it's the katharizo. It's the work for being cleansed, being made whole. It's the word for overcoming the filth or getting rid of. This guy wasn't wanting to be healed just so that he could say, oh, look, I'm as good as you guys. He wanted to be cleansed. He wanted it all to be washed away. He wanted it to be forgotten. He wanted it to be separated, if I could say, as far as the east from the west, from the heights and to the depths. He needed someone that would remember this treatment no more. 
And so he runs to Jesus. And then he asks this question. Please highlight this, the last part of the verse in 40. If you are phileth, if you're willing, if you would want to, he never questions the authority of Jesus. He never puts that in there because how do we know that? Listen to the story. He says it this in the New American Standard. He says, if you are willing, you can make me whole. That's the literal of the Greek because it uses the word dunamis, which we know is the word for what? Power. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's where we get the word the ability to, to have and to have power to exhort. It simply says this, if you are willing, you have the power to make me catharizo. And he falls down before him. Isn't it amazing that the woman that was caught in blood reached out to Jesus? I'm coming to get you, sir. You ain't getting away. In this case, he just falls down before him and wants to know if Jesus is willing, not able. I feel that's the generation of so many of our young ones today, that when they get in the presence of God, they are still wondering, God, are you even willing? Would you even want someone like me? Could you even use someone like me? I've said for years, I believe it wholeheartedly, there was a reason I grew up a trash man. There's a reason my father built his life and careers in other people's garbage. Because it became very obvious to me when I fell down on my knees in front of that phono stereo, Lord, whatever it's going to take, can you even use a trash man like me? And it never meant more to realize that someone's trash is another man's what? Treasure. You could use me. You could use me. And maybe you're here this morning and you realize for the first time, God can use you. And he wants to. The powerful story of the leper is that nobody else would touch him. Nobody else would use him. Nobody else wanted to see him healed. Nobody else cared whether or not he was healed. But now we have one who just falls down knowing that Jesus has the power to do it, but needs the assurance that he wants to do it. And maybe this morning you need to fall on your face before the Father and simply say, Lord, I just need to know you want me. I know you created me. I know you've got a purpose and a plan. But do you want me? I know you've got the power. And I know you can cleanse me. Oh, don't just say, yes, you'll use me. Cleanse me. Whatever the sin, whatever the variance, 
Whatever the obstacle, Lord, are you willing? I'll list them for you. They're not all yours or mine. But can you use a liar? Can you use a thief? Can you use one who is bitter? Lord, I confess I've never taken a person's life, but I have surely murdered them in my heart so many times. Do you want me? You know, I've been abused by too many people, Pastor. Alpena, Michigan. Young, beautiful lady comes to my office with her mother because there's no hope. She'd been abused by her father and her grandfather and her brother. Lived out in the backwoods, northern Alpena, out where everybody hunts and lives, and that was family life. Became no different in high school because she thought that's how people could love her. And I'll never remember as a young 26-year-old when someone said to me, do you think God could love someone like me? And then immediately said this, do you think I'll ever find someone else that could truly love me? I didn't have an answer. His name was Kevin Berg, one of the leaders in our church. I remember going to him and Karen after the conversation, I assured them, her name was Sylvia, and I assured Sylvia that, hey, listen, I'm talking about her daughter, and I said, listen, I know God can love you, and I know God wants to love you, and I know God has forgiven many, and I brought the story of the woman at the well, and I tried to go through the four and maybe a fifth, and though those were her choices, and I remember back then going for years and years of thinking, but I didn't have an answer to assure her. I wished I would have known back then. We always say when you're a young preacher, the whole world should come and hear you. And as you get older, you wonder why anybody would come and listen to you. But I remember, and I wish I could have assured her and said, you know, I wished the leper would have popped in my mind. Because if he would want someone like a leper, he would surely want someone like you. The whole world took the leper, cast him out. He falls down and says, Jesus, I know you have the power. I just want to know that you want me, that you love me, and that you will cleanse me, change me. I want to be changed by Jesus. So as the story unfolds, the leper, again, not questioning that, does all that he can. Why does it matter? He broke the laws to come into the presence of this one and to reach out and to touch someone. Can you imagine the disbursement when they tried to get the guys in the upper room of Jesus? They had to put a hole in the roof and go through the crowds. I bet you when the leper started walking to Jesus, it made a room, did it not? It was probably like the wave of people that parted the Red Seas because people were like, wow, uh-uh, no way. He knew he was breaking every law, ceremonial law that could be established just to be able to drop down in front of Jesus. I guess when you're on death row, it doesn't really matter. 
And I guess I could ask you this morning, what's the difference? If you're living in sin and you don't have Jesus and you haven't been cleansed, why does it really matter how you come? You're on death row. There's really nothing else that could get any worse. I would do anything you could to find yourself at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, in the presence of the Almighty at the throne of grace. Jesus, this morning, I just want to know if you're willing. Cleanse me. Change me. Nobody else wants me. So he says, Jesus responds, and he says this. It's no longer about what he's done. He says, be cleansed. It's a process that if you go back and read, took eight years to do. Once the priest declared that you had leprosy, whether he really knew you did or not, because obviously there was multiple symptoms that were out there, but once you were declared guilty, you were guilty. You had to go through a process of cleansing. It took up to eight years in order for you to get brought back to a normal position. Is that same priest that declared this man unclean. And maybe he really wasn't, but obviously it was something obvious because everybody noticed it when it happened. He was moved with compassion. He said, I am willing. Let me rephrase this into Jerry's words. I do love you. And I so loved you that I came to you while you were dirty, filthy, and ugly so that I could clean you. I came because God so loved the what? I am willing, and I want to. And so Jesus reaches out, touches him, and then declares, go and tell the priest. Go and show him proof. That's what we actually get. Go and be a testimony to them. The actual word there is martyreo. If you look down into the words that's given to us in verse 44, he says, go and offer him this cleansing to what Moses commanded as a martyreo for them, as a witness. In other words, go and preach the gospel to the priest because he's either going to look at you and say you're cleansed or he's going to be confronted with judgment and have to deny what happened and therefore judgment on his life. Jesus wasn't just saying to the leper, okay, you're in good standing, go do the right thing. He said, not only are you cleansed, but you better go get tell the priest and let him see it because this is proof against him. Now he's either going to have to accept that there is one who can cleanse people. There is one who can make people whole, and it's not the earthly priest. Something greater has come. That's the whole point of Mark's story. Even the pastors in our community need to be cleansed. And so after he says this to go to this priest to find cleanliness and to show him that. Listen to what he says. Go and show this yourself to the priest. Offer this according to Moses' commands. In other words, go ahead and work through the process and show that something greater has already happened. To be cleansed by Jesus 
greater than any ceremonial service you'll ever be a part of. Any law that you've ever kept, any program that you've ever led, to know that you've been cleansed by the one who wants to cleanse you. Jesus, it says in Hebrews, cleanses even the conscience. What the animals could not do in a sacrifice, Jesus did. He didn't just cleanse the leper. He cleansed his conscience. We know that because what did he do? He didn't just go out and do what Jesus said. Obviously, he sins. How many of you have been blessed by Jesus and then turn around and sin? You want to raise your hand? You liars. It's not something different. We all do that. It wasn't that the leper was saying, I'm going to defy this, and I was just here to be selfish. He turned around and used the same word, Caruso. He went out and started proclaiming the gospel. He couldn't stand it anymore. I broke the laws to get cleaned. I'll break the laws to preach why I did it, because life was now worth living. This was about Jesus, not about himself. This wasn't about the priest. It wasn't about the disciples. This was about being right with God and knowing that God loves him. How else could he respond? Sometimes you have to do the thing that's right in love rather than just obey the law. Some of us who are legalists would not understand. R.C. Sproul one time wrote in one of his books, he said, it's like a person coming up to a stoplight where there's been an accident and people have been injured and the light is red and the ambulance is behind you waiting to get to these people and you're not going to move because the light is red and he said but you look over and there's an officer that simply blows his whistle and does this to you and so you ignore the law and respond in love so that everything else can take place that's right Oh, do not leave today and say, Pastor Jerry told me I didn't have to obey. (laughs) Don't you do that. What I am saying is, sometimes there's laws that hinder us from truly sharing the love of Jesus. In America, not so bad. But talk to some of our missionaries who can no longer openly talk about Jesus who can no longer openly use the Bible for ways to discipline your children. It's coming. Christians are going to be lepers. We're going to be the outcasts that nobody wants to be a part of. And you're going to be shunned. Your practice is going to lose people Your business is going to lose money. Your fame is going to fall. And then all of a sudden we realize that Jesus responded in love. He touched that leper for one of the greatest exchanges that it would foreshadow. As he reached out to touch that leper all of a sudden we realized he was cleansed. Everybody noticed it. Now go show the priest 
Now go work through the process. Show them that it's already done. And then what's so amazing is how Jesus is treated. I don't think it's only happenstance. I think the Holy Spirit wants us to see that Jesus could no longer publicly enter the city. He exchanged places with the leper. It's only going to be a few years down the road on the crucifixion that Jesus is going to exchange places with us. He took that leper's illness, if you wish, and was treated as an outcast and had to stay outside the cities. Oh, there would be tons of people that would come out to him, but we will learn it will be the minority that take control. Treat him to the point of leading him to the cross where Isaiah 53 is fulfilled. Where the suffering servant takes on our infirmities and our iniquities and takes our punishment. Oh, this morning, if I could, I would beckon you to realize that not only did Jesus exchange places with the leper, but he's willing and wanting to exchange places with you. And how do I know that? Because nothing kept him from going to the cross. It's no longer a mystery now. What he would say to them, keep quiet, demons. Keep quiet. Don't let everybody know yet. They don't understand what's really happening. The suffering servant that is here is going to be rebelled against. The suffering servant is going to be treated in a way that you don't understand. It's too soon to get all this out. It's too soon to let everybody know. Wait until the Holy Spirit paves the way. And then at the cross... We realize that there was nothing to keep him from the cross, and so there should be nothing that keeps us from coming to him. As the leper converged against everybody else's will, I would challenge you to converge on the cross. We know he's willing. It's not a mystery for us. He's already been crucified. He's already been raised from the dead. He's at the right hand of the Father. We know he has power. He's ruling from and reigning from on high. We're not like the leper that has to guess. We now have the answers. We know he's here. He's the Savior born to us from a virgin. He is the Lord Jesus Christ, the ruler of all things. He came to seek and to save the lost. Now no one can be silent. Exchange places. I think the worst part of it all was Mark throws it before us because so many of us who, unlike the leper, now know the truth. We didn't have to come in faith. We look back in faith. Jesus has been crucified. He's been died. He's dead. He's buried. He's been raised in three days. He's at the right hand of the Father. He sent the Holy Spirit. He lives within our hearts. And yet we tell no one. 
about what Jesus has done. Are you a leper? You're going to keep it silent? Live within the laws of the church? Appropriateness of your community? The boundaries of your profession? You fell on your face to the king of kings. And he said, I love you. I want to cleanse you. And you've kept silent. He traded places with us. Our sin placed on him. His cleanliness, perfection given to us. There are no more sacrifices to give. Romans 12 simply says this. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves holy and blameless as a living sacrifice. Do not be conformed to this world. Be what? Be changed by Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for wanting me. That, Father, against all odds in my family, when I fell down, you touched me and you changed me. Father, I did feel like a leper within my own home amidst some of my own friends, even at times within my own church but you've cleansed me. You've cleansed me. Lord, I pray here this morning for whoever, whoever it is that needs to be cleansed, that they would find the comfort of your Holy Spirit's conviction, that they would come to you in the quietness of their own place and just simply say, Lord, are you willing? And that you would cleanse them. And that you would then change them and help them to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would receive the benediction and may the love of Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the church and the providence of our Holy Father be with you all. And God's children said, Amen. Amen.